Welcome to Closing the Digital Divide, the podcast dedicated to creating meaningful conversations and share valuable insights from industry leaders, policymakers, equipment manufacturers, and, and others on Closing the Digital Divide. I'm your host, Charles Thomas, and together we'll explore policies, challenges, triumphs, and innovations, innovative solutions that are reshaping the digital landscape. I would like for everyone to help me welcome to our show today, Ms. Danielle Perry, who is the Chief Compliance Officer of TrueConnect and, and a NALA board member. Danielle, welcome to the show today. How are you? Hi, Charles. I'm great. Thank you so much for having me. It's a pleasure to get to chat with you today. Certainly. Well, so today our topic of discussion is how NALA is working to bridge the digital divide. Uh, NALA is the only organization that's focused on advancing the interest of the Lifeline and Affordable Connectivity Program recipients, providers, and program advocates. And if you guys have listened to any of our podcasts, you know that I'm a big advocate for the ACP program. So, Danielle, one of the things I always like to do when people first come on uh, my podcast is I ask them this very simple question. What is the digital divide and why is it so important that we have it closed? Okay, great. Well, from in my opinion, the digital divide is the divide we see with Americans who have access to broadband services and those who don't. So a lot of us just take for granted the fact that we can pull our um, iPhone out and we can immediately get on the internet and search for whatever we need. We have all of the apps that we need. Um, I don't know how many times a day I use my iPhone to connect to the internet. And then of course at home we're streaming services and we just use it like as a, it's just something that's always there. But there are a lot of Americans out there that don't have that luxury. There are people out there who um, either don't have the money to buy um, prepaid smartphones that give them small allotments of data or, you know, people that just have no resources whatsoever. So the divide is that gap between those of us who have access and those who don't. And so a lot of us, um, including NALA and TrueConnect, work tirelessly to try to reach those consumers who don't have access to make sure that they can get the broadband access that they need. So in a nutshell, it's digital equity. Yes, that's a great way to put it. Okay, you mentioned, uh, or or I introduced you, and um, you also mentioned um, Nala and True Connect. Tell us a little bit, or or give us the the overview of the mission of the goal for Nala, which is the National Lifeline Association, and the Affordable uh, Connectivity Program. What are you guys doing to promote those two programs? Okay, great. So today we have. Um, two primary goals that we are focused on. One is to secure additional funding for ACP or the Affordable Connectivity Program um, because funding set to run out as early as April of 2024. And then the second goal that we're focused on right now is reforming Lifeline or shaping a combined Lifeline and ACP program so that eligibility or eligible low income subscribers can get verified, enroll in, and receive the support that they need for them to stay connected to broadband each and every month. And we call that sustainable connectivity. So there's been a lot of talk, and you, you just mentioned about the, the funding 
um, for an ACP program. Um, you, you know, I was on a, I was on a, um, I was on a webinar just uh, earlier this week, and they were talking about all the all the benefits of ACP and how it was being pushed out. Um, but you mentioned that it's due to run out. Um, what is the what is the goal? I mean, where do, where do we see the funding going for this? No, number one, is it going to be funded? Right. So that's a great question. We're all trying to determine, you know, what's going to happen in the future. But um, just as a reminder, so, you know, the budget for ACP was $14.2 billion. And this money came from the $1 trillion Infrastructure Investment and Jobs Act that was passed by Congress back in 2021. So it was passed. We all celebrated. Um, those of us that have been in the industry are like, finally, we're making progress and we're going to be able to get broadband in the hands of all of these people who need it. But the program has been extremely successful. And right now we're looking at the funds being exhausted by, you know, some people are saying um, March of 2024 and others are projecting out into June or July of 2024. So it's kind of iffy as, in, as to when, but definitely mm -hmm. it's right around the corner. So, and, and, and this is, I guess, the part that kind of frustrates me a little bit, because we just got finished talking about digital equity, and I'm going to go off script here a little bit. Why would, in your opinion, why, why has it taken so long for ACP to be funded or to be even mentioned in funding budgets? Well, I mean, I think that COVID really spurred this, right? Without COVID, I'm not sure we would have ever gotten um, a program like this, or it may have taken years longer because COVID showed us that people were at home and they needed ways to access the internet. Children needed um, broadband so that they could learn. And that spurred the emergency broadband um, benefit program, right? That started mm -hmm. everything. And then lawmakers saw that, well, COVID's kind of going away and the world's getting back to normal, but gosh, what about all these people who are participating in this program? We need something to sustain them and give them a way to get uh, broadband. So that's how ACP was formed. And then it just kind of took off. I don't think anybody anticipated it maybe to be as successful as what it was um, because it's funded with appropriations, right? It's in the Infrastructure Act. It's funded differently than Lifeline, the program that we've had forever that's funded by um, the Universal Service Fund. It, I think it just takes more effort to get it funded. We need Congress and lawmakers to step in and all decide on how it's going to be funded. So that's a long way to get to your answer, but I think that that's where we're coming from here. It's just, it's a different process. So it takes a little longer. Understood, understood. So both of these programs play a vital role in providing uh, subsidized services to um, folks, um, mainly low income uh, Americans. Um, tell us a little bit about how these programs have positively impacted the lives of the recipients and the uh, communities that they serve. Sure. So today there are over 6.7 million households that participate in the Lifeline program. And ACP has over 20 million households or, who participate. So these programs not only allow low-income Americans to stay connected to emergency services, family, and friends, but they provide vital access to community services, healthcare, jobs, 
just all of the things that we take for granted, and these programs allow low-income people to be able to participate. So are there uh, specific uh, initiatives or, or strategies that NALA uses to uh, ensure that um, these people's voices are, are heard? Sure. We, we do a lot of advocacy work, um, primarily. I, I would say that's a big part of, of what we do. So in that vein, we just filed comments last week with um, a USF working group that Senators uh, Lujan and Thune have formed to take a look at the Universal Service Fund and reforming it. And they, um, they asked for stakeholders and industry providers to um, give them comments and let us let them know what we think about the program. So NALA filed comments and offered our views on the future of Lifeline and ACP, regardless of whether they end up being combined or continue to be managed separately. And with respect to ACP, we advocate for at least two years of additional appropriations to ensure that none of the more, none of the more than 20 million households, and by the way, that's more than 60 million Americans when you break it out. Uh, we want to make sure that none of those um, people are disconnected due to a funding gap. So that's the number one priority. Let's get some gap funding in there. And then uh, the two years of additional funding is going to allow a reasonable amount of time to come to terms on and implement USF reform, because that's not going to happen overnight either, right? Like these are both things that are going to take some time. So that was our perspective in the comments uh, and the suggestions that we offered. So outside of outside of funding, what are what are some of the the insights and, and challenges that um, that the recipients and and providers of Lifeline and ACP services might face? I mean, how does NILA work to address some of these issues and these challenges? Yeah, so it really depends on the time, right? Like, there's always something. There's always a new challenge. But right now, I would say that. The biggest challenge, especially for subscribers, and, and it does kind of carry into providers as well, is eligibility. So getting approved and enrolled into the program. There's a, a database or a platform called the National Verifier that consumers use to determine their eligibility. So if you're going to enroll in Lifeline or ACP, you go to National Verifier, you enter all your information, and that determines whether or not you're eligible. Well, in some states, the National Verifier has connectivity to SNAP or other state databases mm -hmm. to instantly determine eligibility. Whereas in states where they don't have that connectivity, the consumer's required to upload documents to prove that they're eligible for the program. And we find that when a consumer is required to upload those documents, the success rate um, well, the failure rate is 60%, so the success rate is less than 40% in most cases, just simply because people don't have the proof documents that they need with them when they're trying to apply, or they have um, technology gaps where they're not able to upload it. Maybe they, they don't know how to upload documents. There are many different reasons why, but we, we do see that as the number one uh, challenge right now is getting subscribers enrolled into the program. So... I'm a I'm a person out in rural America, and I qualify for SNAP or or one of the other programs. I upload all of my information. What's the next steps? How do I get someone to bring me service? Sure. So it depends. So if you have just been online, maybe um, I'm going to speak like a 
provider. Here's how uh, we get our mm -hmm. subscribers. So we do a lot of online advertising. So a consumer may see us on social media or just surfing the web, they may see an ad and they'll click the link and they'll fill out a brief questionnaire, basically collecting demographic information. The mm -hmm. provider sends that information to National Verifier. The consumer goes into the National Verifier, puts all their information in, uploads their documents, and then the provider, like True Connect or one of the other many providers, receives a message back from the National Verifier that the consumer is eligible. So the service is sip, uh, shipped on a SIM card. So if they qualify for the tablet, they've made a co-payment online for the tablet for ACP, and it gets shipped to the consumer. Um, we also, a lot of providers have people that are out in areas where consumers may be and they will enroll a subscriber into the program face-to-face. -face. And in that case, many times the subscriber is able to get the tablet if they qualify for one right then um, or the SIM card, whatever, you know, whichever the case may be. <clears throat> okay. Um, share with us some of the uh, success stories that of, uh, or examples of uh, of uh, Nala's advocacy efforts that resulted into changing and, and, and improving uh, within the Lifeline or the uh, ACP program? Sure. So over the years, um, we played a significant role in shaping and preserving, um, shaping, preserving and protecting Lifeline and ACP. So we were instrumental in making broadband and smartphones the norm in the Lifeline program. We've successfully defended the role of wireless resellers when a prior administration sought to remove us from the program, despite the fact that 70% of all of the lines served by Lifeline were serviced by wireless resellers. The administration was still trying to ban wireless resellers on the program, and we were successful in getting that stopped, thank goodness. And then uh, we've also helped to shape the current ACP rules and have helped spur um, improvements in the national verifier and inlet platforms that support the program. As I mentioned earlier, we still have a lot of work to do there, but we do continue and uh, we see we've had success there. Um, and just to, to, to kind of tag on to that, tell us about any of your ongoing or upcoming initiatives um, partnerships or policy changes that that you guys would like to highlight. So we're committed to our goals of securing funding and shaping reform for those these two very important critical programs, and we continue to be committed to providing um, support to our membership ecosystem. Cool. So um, I'm a little I'm I'm a I'm a bit interested in in Nala. Um, how can individuals or organizations uh, get involved or support the work that NALA is doing? Sure, so we welcome organizations to reach out for ways in which we can partner um, to reach more consumers. We encourage policymakers to continue to work funding these programs. And anyone who would like to learn more can visit our website at nalalifeline.org or follow us on social media. And um, as we're getting close to the, uh, the the end of our show here, that's exactly what I was going to ask you <laughs> next: is how can people oh, okay. find out more uh, about Nala? So we also have our annual conference coming up on October 11th, um, and this is a great time. We have all of the different um, providers that we have. We have providers. We have uh, the service. We have enrollment mm -hmm. agents. 
our enrollment representatives, we have um, device manufacturers, we have vendors, everybody comes together for this conference and it's a great time to hear from um, different speakers. We've had people from the FCC come and speak. We've had over the years, just different motivational speakers, but we all come together and we share the purpose of NALA and what it is that we are all doing to make sure that when we leave there, we're all energized and we're all on the same page and we have the same mission to go out and help these people who so desperately need these programs. So that's, we're looking forward to that coming up in October. And, and where is that show? Where's that conference? Um, that's going to be in Nashville. That's yeah, the annual conference is October 11th in Nashville. Okay. And um, is there a registration website for that or? Sure, you can find more information at nalalifeline.org. Nalalifeline.org. Um, I want to make sure we get that in our in our notes here when we uh, when we uh, promote the uh, podcast here. Um, Danielle, thank you. It, it's been it's been a pleasure learning about Nala and 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 True Connect and. Um, no, the last thing I wanted to say was uh, uh, appreciate you coming on the show. Um, thank you for sharing all the great information on Nala. Is there any final words you'd like to share with us um, as we close here? Um, I just thank you for having us. Thank you for having this podcast and helping to get the word out about the digital divide. I don't think um, everybody knows what that means. So I appreciate the work that you're doing to help get that message out. Much appreciated. Well, you're welcome and thank you. And again, we've come to the end of another great empowering episode. Um, I want to thank and uh, express our deepest gratitude for Danielle for coming on. Um, and sharing with us. Obviously, we want to always thank our listeners. Um, and remember this, folks, that um, the power to bridge the digital gap lies within each and every one of us. It is all of our responsibility to champion digital divide. To, yeah. It is all of our responsibility to champion digital inclusion and advocate for equal access and embracing all of technology's potential to take us there. By doing this, we can create a world where everyone has a fair chance to thrive in the digital age. Again, thank you, and we look forward to sharing with you very soon. Thanks, Danielle. Thank you. Have a wonderful day. And